Chapter Thirty Eight of the Insect Folk. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Insect Folk by Margaret Warner Morley. Chapter Thirty Eight: The Little Caddis Flies. Here we are in the woods again. How sweet it smells! Let us sit down by this brook and look into it. It is such a clear little stream with fine sand and little pebbles at the bottom. What has Nell found that pleases her so? She says she sees some little bars of sand moving about. Ned says they are not sand bars, but tubes of sand, containing a little live thing. The truth is, this sandbag is a house, and its occupant is a larva. See the black head come popping out, and the tiny forelegs. The larva does not come entirely out, you see, but pulls its house along with it and when it is frightened it pops back into its little stone case. Molly says it reminds her of a hermit-crab. A hermit-crab, you know, lives on the seashore and takes possession of an empty snail-shell for a house. It comes partly out dragging its house with it, but if you disturb it, it draws back, sometimes quite out of sight. This little larva lives in a house, too, but it is a house of its own making. It is the larva of the caddis-fly, or case-fly. Let us put one of these little sand-cases in the saucer here. Please fill the saucer, about half full of water, John. Thank you. Now, Molly, I see you have picked up a fine big caddis-case. Put it in the saucer, and let us watch the larva crawl about. It never comes entirely out of the case, you see. It holds on to it with its hinder part of its body. Its little black head is hard, but its body is soft, and that is why it does not like to expose itself to hungry larvae that might be living in the water. May says she wants to see the whole larva. Suppose we carefully break away the little sand-case. No, indeed, little Nell, we are not going to hurt the larva. We are only going to open its house. There, the larva is outside now and you can see what a tender, pale little thing it is. It does not like to have its body exposed. See, it is already gathering little bits of sand together. It seems to be sticking them fast to its body. It is really binding them together by a saliva-like substance from its mouth. It draws out little glistening threads that harden into silk as soon as they touch the water. Queer saliva, you think but the caddis larva does not find it queer. It is used to saliva that hardens into silk. Yes, that is why the larva of the aphis lion and the ant lion made their cocoons. They spun out silk in this manner. The caddis larva makes its house of silk and sand, and also lines it with a beautiful covering of fine silk. Yes, May, it papers its wall with silk. You see, it did not hurt the caddis larva to take away its house. It immediately went to work to build another. Why not pull it out, instead of breaking its house to pieces? Because if it had been pulled hard enough to come out, it might have been torn to pieces. It is such a tender little thing, and it holds fast so tightly. So the best way to remove it safely is to break its case bit by bit from around it. It does no harm to break its case if one is careful. It will soon build another. Yes, this larva has no distinct thorax. It is like the larvae of the dobson 
the aphis lion and the ant lion in that respect. See, John has found one whose tube is made of quite large stones as compared with this tube of fine sand that we have broken open. Some caddis larvae build houses of wood instead of stone. They stick little twigs together, and some use little pieces of leaves. Others, again, use tiny snail shells, which, as you can imagine, make very pretty cases. Our little caddis has made a neat little house of fine sand grains, very nicely put together. Some others make much rougher houses. You will be apt to find the caddis larvae in any brook and in some ponds, and I hope you will always look for them. Notice the tracery in the soft mud of the brook. Those lines that look as though someone had been ornamenting the bottom of the brook are made by our caddis larvae. They drag their cases along and thus make the lines. Sometimes such lines are made by the little freshwater snails, but you can always find the decorator by following along the lines he makes. What may? How is the delicate larva able to cling to the case tightly enough to pull it along? If you look at it very carefully, you will find a pair of tiny hooks at the tail end by which it can hold on to the silk lining, and some caddis larvae have hard points on their backs which help them to hold fast. The caddis larvae are carnivorous, that is, they eat animal food. Yes, May, their food is usually the larvae of other insects, but you will be glad to know that some of them eat plants, too. They eat the larvae of the mayflies when they can find them, and no doubt they build these strong cases about themselves to prevent the mayfly larvae from returning the compliment. Frank has found some empty cases, yes, and some that are closed at both ends. Now let us look at this one closed at both ends. What do you suppose is in it? We will open just one of these closed cases. There, it is a pupa. Yes, Nell, a very pretty doll is this. It has a thorax, you see, and an abdomen. Its long antennae lie close to its body, as do its little wing pads. Yes, the caddis larva grows and molts in the usual way. It keeps adding to its house as it grows longer. Finally it closes the end of its little tube and lies quite still. You know what happens next. Its worm-like form divides into thorax and abdomen. Legs and wings appear, attached to the thorax. In short, it is no longer a worm-like creature. Finally it comes forth from its case. It never goes into it again. It does not need to, for now it is a dainty little nun, with a long, tan-colored cloak. Its cloak, of course, is its wings folded down about its body. Like the fairy mayflies, it has no mouth and eats nothing in the adult form. It looks like a dainty brown moth as it flutters about the bushes and goes flying up and down the brook. You will always find these little brown cloaked figures flitting about the brooks where the caddis larvae live. You see, the caddis larvae undergoes a complete metamorphosis. No, it does not belong to the Neuroptera. Examine its wings very carefully. Look at them through the magnifying glass, and you will see that they are clothed with hairs. So these are the hair wings. The name of the order to which they belong is Trichoptera, from Pteron, a wing, and Thrix, a hair. 
Sometime you must take a caddis larvae from its house, and put it in a saucer of water with fine bits of mica, which, you know, is another name for the isinglass that makes the little windows in our stoves. If you are fortunate, your caddis will build for itself a little glass house, through whose walls you can look and see what is going on inside. End of chapter 38 End of The Insect Folk by Margaret Warner Morley